the more chefs I had on the ground, the more chefs I worked with and uh, used Cura, the, the more scalable personalized nutrition could be. So you can go on to Cura and basically look for a chef and adjust the meal based on what's good for you or what you think is good for you. We have set a new record. Welcome to the next episode of Welcome Podcast. Welcome Podcast. I am Nick Jimenez. I am joined by chef and chili cook-off champion and eighth grade basketball MVP, Michael Beltran. We are recording this podcast in record time, 53 minutes after our scheduled start time. And I got to say, records were meant to be broken. Prepare for our hour late podcast mm-hmm. coming up at some point in the next few episodes. We are joined by a very special guest, Jose Manuel. Do you pronounce the E at the end of your name? Perrone. Yeah. Perrone. That's what I thought. Yeah, Jose Manuel Perrone. Because uh, I ran into my cousin who went to Belen with you, and he told me he wasn't sure. Uh, <laughs> well, they just call me Perrone. Yeah, okay. Well, that's okay. That's where the confusion is. Yeah. I don't do that. I don't play these. These lazy pronunciation games. Can I ask you, does Belen like have a sponsorship of this podcast in some way? <laughs> I mean, we're not even like two minutes in. You've already dropped the Belen reference. You're already they're already in Listen, there. They, they they don't, but my I, my my cousins sponsor the podcast, so I just drop those references whenever I can too. All right. Uh, we're joined by Jose Manuel Perrone, co-founder of Cura or Cura 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 Cura. Both work. Cura 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 Market C U R A Market. I will leave it to Jose to tell us uh, what that even is. Bam, 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 bam. But uh, I will say that the way that we came across each other was we recently recorded our first ever live podcast. So I reached out to you uh, about how you could be involved in that. And all the guests at that podcast went home with some uh, products that you made for past guest Norman Van Aken. Uh, That's right. This is where I step out. I'm not going to say any more things unless I absolutely must. Wow, that's amazing. I know. I know you're excited about this. So uh, good. That's all I got. Man, first of all, thanks for bearing with Nick. It took him an hour to set up today. It's That's record <laughs> timing, and I think that's amazing. That's really good. He's, um, a, he's a perfectionist. He likes of, to do everything right. Of being late. He is a perfectionist of many things. So, first of all, thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. Um... I think uh, I'm still shocked every time people agree to come on the show, and it's always it's always nice to see. So, Miami native. Yep. Okay. Um, born and raised here. Obviously, you went to Belen. We already dropped that reference in here. What oh, happened? Actually, at- born in Ecuador. I came. I, I moved to Miami when I was around six years old. Oh, Basically okay. raised here. Yeah. Yeah. So, majority of your life, but yeah. born in Ecuador, moved here when you were six. High school here, and then where'd you go for college? I went to two colleges. I went to Loyola University of Chicago, a lot of people know. Yeah. Uh, and then Notre Dame after. Oh, no big deal. That's cool. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame. How was Notre Dame? I loved it, man. I loved the, the experience of being going from a big city, uh, living that big city lifestyle in Chicago. I'm a big fan of Chicago. Um, Chef Norman's from Chicago. I talked to him about it, about it a lot. Uh, Notre Dame was more of a small college town, so it was a good, ex- good, ex- uh, good change of scenery. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. A lot colder than I expected, though. And then, uh, and then you came back to Miami afterwards. No, I actually worked in in California for a couple of years. Uh, I worked for a company called Intel. It's like mm-hmm. that micro, that chip company, mm-hmm. computer company. Um, 
and yeah, then came back after. I've been I was away for about seven years, and now I've been back for three years. Amazing. So tell us, how did we end up with? Uh, how did you say Nick Gura? Gura. Gura. Yeah, man, it's a it's been one hell of a journey. Been one hell of a journey. Well, tell us all about it. Yeah. Tell us like, what is the thing? How did you get to the thing? Uh, why? The why. The, the why. why is always a good question I ask people. Yeah, I mean, I can. How far back do you want me to go? I mean, I don't know. Like, were you just like, did you have a couple of drinks one day? Or like, you know what? I really have this idea of this place called Gura. Yeah. Like, no. Like, I mean, tell me where, where did it, where'd the idea come from? <coughs> Why? Was, and the whole, you know. The whole shebang. Um, you know, so it was really, it started at Intel. So in California, I was, um, I mean, in my background by trade, I was electrical engineering. So you would think Intel is like the... Every electrical engineer's dream job. And I really enjoyed it for the most part. Um, but it wasn't very, I wouldn't say it was fulfilling. Like, it, yeah, it wasn't fulfilling. Um, and I was looking for something that I could really die happy with. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something that I was truly passionate about. And I, yeah, I can give it my all. It wasn't until my dad suffered from an ischemic stroke that I realized it kind of lit a fire under me. And I decided. One, I wanted to go back to be closer to family and see my, my little brother grow up. Um, I had been away for seven years, like I said. So I just wanted to take that time. I had been working really, really hard uh, to get that job. And it kind of, when you work really hard, you kind of sacrifice a few things, family being one of them. Yeah. So I wanted to take a step back, uh, move back, be close with family, and figure out what that thing was. I really wasn't sure. Uh, I knew it, I wanted to do it... I wanted it to be in health. I wanted it to build, to somehow better protect my family from disease. And I'll, I promise I'll, I'll come full circle on how I believe nutrition and, and Kira is doing that. Cool. But that's, that was the initial goal. And I didn't really know where or what kind of like uh, solution I would come up with. So I just started testing things. Um, kind of like uh, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing if it's sick, if it's stuck. Uh, so I started with really interviewing people, better understanding uh, preventable diseases like strokes specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spoke with with, uh, with different doctors, specialists in the field. I, I traveled a bit um, and I learned that you can really boil down uh, preventing disease in four pillars. Uh, the mind, so mental health, monitoring that mental health. It can, you know, your mind can actually cause you to get sick. Um, the body moving enough, whatever it can be, different sort of physical activity, uh, nutrition, which is what I ended up doing, and then the last one is recovery, recovering enough. And I started testing a few different things, and I realized that people just want to live their lives. A lot of the things I first made kind of glossed over their eyes; like they kind of glossed over it. Um, but when I started to work with local chefs, with again, I remind I, just to. Take a step back. Nutrition is one of those pillars. And I wanted to, there's, there's been very little innovation in the field of nutrition, specifically personalized nutrition. There's a lot we can do in, in preventing disease and just having people, helping, helping people live a better life through personali- personalizing food. So I started working with local chefs. And, and basically what I did is through the relationship with the local chefs, these are at-home chefs, I would, I would customize the food based on... Um, a select group, basically my family and friends' needs. And that can be through like, gene sequencing, just understanding what their like predispositions are, 
and then I would work with these chefs to do a custom meal. And for the most part, that started taking off in the sense of like uh, people love the experience of having a personal chef without having to pay a lot of money to do right. it. So slowly but surely, I realized I got to work with more chefs. And I thought the the new the story behind Cura Cura really stands for stands for uh, being a caretaker. Some people interpret it as like the ultimate cure, or some people know Cura as a priest. But really, fundamentally, it comes down to the words stem from the idea of taking care of people. So that was always the mission: how do I better take care of people? And eventually, after testing a bunch of different ideas, I realized: okay, there's a possibility to build a personalized marketplace working with chefs and cure market was born and i started working with chefs and they basically the more chefs i had on the ground the more chefs i worked with and uh use cura the the more scalable personalized nutrition could be so you can go on to cura and basically look for a chef and adjust the meal based on what's good for you or what you think is good for you this episode of Pancom Podcast is brought to you by Back Club USA. I'm here with co-founder Eric Rico. Eric, tell people a little bit about what Back Club USA is because this concept was foreign to me and also what you do other than bats because I can see how people might come across Back Club USA mm -hmm. and not realize all the other stuff that you're doing. So we're a subscription and membership service for high-end baseball and softball equipment. We know that there is a significant performance gap in the really good baseball equipment, in particular bats. So we want to make that accessible to, to everyone, but not just bats. We carry everything. We can outfit players from head to toe. We carry cleats. We carry helmets. We carry batting gloves. We carry everything that your player needs to not only play good, but to look good too. And that's <laughs> half the battle, right? Yeah. You know, baseball players are, are funny with their, with their confidence where if they look good, they play good. So <laughs> yeah, we want to make sure we can help facilitate that. I don't know if I looked good or played good when I was a kid. Maybe that's why I'm producing podcasts now, but, you know, for whatever that's worth. Talk a little bit about your own experience with baseball and what it is that you bring from your baseball career into this business. I'm a Miami kid born and raised, and we played baseball going all the way back since I was two years old. My half-Cuban baseball family, my grandfather played in the Negro Leagues, so we love baseball. So I've been around baseball my whole entire life. And it was different back in the day. Things were more affordable. It was easier for kids to be able to play and excel. And now things have just gotten really expensive. So for me, my life is completely different without the game of baseball and performing great at, at baseball. So again, we want to help facilitate that because we know how life-changing it can be when kids have the perfect equipment, when they do well, the confidence they build and helps them perform later in life. That's going to have so much value to parents because not every parent whose kid plays baseball knows what the hell they're doing when they're shopping for baseball bats. So to have a company that is led by people who know what they're looking at when they're looking at a baseball bat or a glove or cleats or whatever it might be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because it, a lot of parents, what they do now is they go to a big box retailer and they let their kid pick the bat with the nicest paint job. <laughs> right. right? Like that's essentially happens. Like, ooh, I really like this one. They don't get to swing it in a game. They don't get to get a feel for it. They just say... I like red. This bat is red. Let's go try it out. And they might not get a hit for two months, but well, I got the red bat that I wanted. Right. right. So, so for us, we want to make it easy for them that it's not just based on the pain. It's based on what's going to help them perform their best and how we can help facilitate that. So where should people go if they want to find Bat Club USA, if they want to look into whether it's right for them? You can check us out on social media, Facebook, on Instagram at Bat Club USA. You can go to BatClubUSA.com. Awesome. Thanks. All right.
Um, but long story short, when we started working with, with any business comes like, uh, it's challenges. Like I'm sure you, you know, first, firsthand. Yep. Um, and the money that we were making through Cure Market was still very, very low, like very unsustainable, very unsustainable. There's a lot of challenges. Oftentimes when we would send too many orders to chefs, to home chefs, they're limited to the amount that they can output per week. So they basically were asking us like, no more. And I kind of, it was challenging because like we want them to be able to serve as many people as possible. But then you kind of, we also get into the food and cottage guidelines. Those are, are you familiar with those? No. So every, every state has their rules and regulations about what you can sell from your home kitchen. And they call them the food cottage guidelines. Uh, in Florida, we're pretty strict on what you can sell from the comfort of your home. Basically, you're, it boils down to um, pastries, things that don't have any dairy in it, meat, etc. So you're very limited to what you can make. At, what super kind of, limited. Yeah, super limited. Other states are starting to open it up, um, specifically in San Francisco, also in New York. They're opening it up. You can start selling some meat. Um, so that's good. So... It wasn't until we basically started working with um, someone had basically approached us and asked us, "Hey, I love I love this idea of, of starting my own virtual uh, brand." So let me take a step back. Do you kind of have I explained Cura Market at least from your perspective? I, mean, I, I kind of get the overall thing. It's like personalized meals for what somebody's needs are and what they're their goals are long-term and then basically uh, there are individual chefs that are executing those things. And then that's being sent out to people. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay. And and people started comparing us a little bit to reef kitchens. I'm sure we we probably will get into because this idea where we were helping people spin up concepts uh, relatively easily in different brands. So they're like, are you kind of like a reef kitchens? And like, no, we're not. We're fundamentally different. Um, but because of that comparison, another long story an influencer basically has had this idea of coming out with her own brand. And this will be the first time that we've ever done uh, something that we've taken on a project where we basically manufactured the product and then were responsible to distribute the product. Uh, and over time, we had built a relationship with a licensed kitchen, so we could do that. And we had to build we had built a relationship with a fulfillment center so we said um, let's give it a try like we love to test different ideas and this was basically this was the first product that we launched uh, that was shelf stable it was no longer perishable good it wasn't something that you would order from a local chef it's something that you can buy anywhere in the US and and we're able to ship it nationwide it was granola oh nice shout out to Marce Marce Holistica that was she was the first uh we like to call the people we work with creator or influencer. The first person that so, Chef Norman was the the third creator that we worked with. So basically, they put together a product. You guys figure out uh, logistics. You figure out the actual execution of the product, yep. and then fulfillment across the country. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. What was the second? The first one was granola. What was the second? It was an energy bite. 
A granola, bite? granola energy bites. These little little power bites. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like. I usually like those. I eat a good amount of those. We'll bring you some. Yeah. Um, they don't always taste good, but they <laughs> get like the job done, right? I promise you, you'll like these. Okay, that's good. I know the ones that I've personally made. You know, they're literally just to get the job done. <laughs> I don't know. I know that sounds terrible, but. You're, you're- you're killing your chances of getting a Kura Market granola energy bite I mean, deal here. I'm not the guy for, for that. I could do other things, but not, not really that. So then Chef Norman was the third. Yeah. Yeah. And tell me how that was working with Chef throughout that process. I can tell you I know those sauces very well because I've made them plenty of times. Really? Oh, yeah. Way back? It was rum and pepper paint, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, mango mojo. Mango mojo. Yeah. I know the dishes. I know the. Yep. I How don't... far back do you guys go? How many uh, years? Uh, ten now, I think. Ten. Amazing. Ten-ish years. But I mean, when I met him, I was I was prep cook, so I was prepping. You know, uh, during the podcast that we just did with him, I remember when I made rum and pepper paint for the first time, and I lit that shit on fire, and I thought I was gonna blow the entire kitchen up, and I was scared. But <laughs> it's a lot of rum that goes in there. But yeah. No. You know, it was, um, and then in the other restaurant I worked with him, um, both those things were on the menu as well. So mm-hmm. we did them again there. Super versatile. So tell me about that. How that, I mean, I know he has those recipes down to like a T. Yeah. Um, but it's more like getting other people to do those recipes on a large scale and then what fulfillment looked like and like how many pieces you had to order previously to have them ready to ship. Well, he, he hasn't officially launched. So you guys got the sneak peek. Right? I didn't even try anything. Nick yeah. took all of my shit. <laughs> I didn't try anything. Just Nick took my entire bag. Shout gotta, out. I got to take pictures of all the things. Shout out to all of our sponsors that I tried none of your stuff because Nick <laughs> took it all. So thanks for that. So I'm not going to give you a shout out for real. It was a great event, though. Really yeah, well. It went it cool. really, really well. Yeah. Well, th- we'll make sure to get you some for sure. Um but I mean, the I mean, we love working with Chef Norman. We plan on working with him for a very, very long time. Um, he's actually, believe it or not, helped us create new recipes for other other creators. I believe it. So he's uh, he's got his own lab. We call it the lab back at his uh, his place, and he's he loves to create. Man, the guy's passionate um, about food, and he's like the best uh, person you can ever work with in terms of uh, like on the founding father of New World Cuisine for a reason, right? Yeah, I mean, he's really one of the founding fathers. Uh, of South Florida cuisine in general, you know, just like everything that we do here, he paved the way, and so many other pave, so many others paved the way with him for us to be able to do the stuff that we do now every day. Without them, there is no us, or we would be like twenty years behind. Amazing. So, but then tell me about the process. So yeah. you know, he showed you the recipe, and then did you large batch the recipe and then have him taste it? Because that would be one of my biggest concerns to large batch a recipe. Cause as soon as you start to go up, especially the way that he cooks, right. cause he likes like scotch bonnets and like things that change everything, an entire recipe. Right. Um, how did that work out? So normally the way we work is that we have uh, pre-existing recipes. Um, so we give creators a pre-existing cause normally, I mean, chef Norman is the, uh, was at the time the first chef that we ever worked with. So he came in with an existing recipe, which made our lives easier, but to some de- to some degree. Because now we had to make sure it was up to his standards. Yep. Right. So I know that is. <laughs> so we were a little bit nervous uh, about that, but we're happy that, like, uh, you know, we were able to execute and, and, and do and follow the instructions well. 
Um, but normally the way that it works is uh, recipe development is usually the longest part of the process. The fact that we were able to jump th right through that, I mean, once we, we prepared the sample and sent it over to, to him and he approved it, great, we got it down. Um, we can move on to the next step, which usually we do it in parallel, which is designing the package, designing the, the custom label. I did see the package and it was cool. Yeah, so the, the cool thing about that is... Uh, before Nick took it. Before Nick took it. Right. Chef Norman actually had this design already made. So this is I'm really, not shocked. Yeah, man. This is a... We're bringing it back. I don't know how many years it's been. Um, but it was about to launch. And just uh, unfortunately, a number of things happened. And they just weren't able to f go through with it. So we talked about the idea of just redesigning the, the original design. But we just fell in love with it. And, you know, we... What's the word I'm looking for? It was vintage. It was really, it, it, we felt it was just, it was just right. So we just, we were able to move really quickly with Chef Norman. We had everything from the recipe, the design. From there, we got the packaging. We went, we were, we have a few suppliers that we work with. Uh, we ordered them, uh, or a few different samples for him to test. He chose which, uh, which jar he likes the best. We put it together. Um, and then we start preparing for the actual launch. So creating, Content is the name of the game, so really creating a lot of content, doing photography, um, announcing it kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Chef Norman would sometimes post on his channel and let people know, hey, I'm working, like, I'm working on bringing this sauce back. So just building that excitement around it. And then we're just about ready to launch now. Like so, when, when, when is just about ready? Uh, this week. Oh yeah, <laughs> big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, no, none of these things are posted like tomorrow. I don't know. Oh yeah, so it depends so on when you talk to the producer this. about editing and how it gets released. But you know, he's a Belen guy, so you never know. <laughs> um, I have I have some uh, interesting questions, and you could not you can answer or not answer. That's totally fine. How I like when somebody says their own questions are going to be interesting. I think it's interesting because I'm intrigued, so they're interesting to me. How do the finances work here? So let's say Nick. Nick wants to create a kit of how someone should not shave their beard at home. Oh, I, I right? was thinking the steak and risotto kit. Oh, man, that fucking thing. So he builds this kit for you. He has this idea. He sends you over this idea. He's creating what the kit should look like. How do both sides financially benefit from this step? Right. How do you financially benefit? How does the creator or in this case, Nick, uh, benefit from that? And then when it goes to large scale production and then to actual official rollout, how do the finances work in all those phases? So, like, how much are you selling a jar for? Oh, well, that I can't share just yet. Okay. I can't share. That's okay. uh, between Jeff and Norman and, and us. But no, we um, basically the use. We lower the barrier to entry when it comes to launching any sort of food brand right now, right? So normally you have to, I mean, from the recipe development, you know this, I'm sure, firsthand, it can go from, it can cost you anything from $500 to $1,000 or more, right? Depending right. on who you're working with and how many iterations you go with. Uh, once you get the recipe down, if you don't have a licensed kitchen, you got to go and find a licensed kitchen, right? Or right. go find a co-packer, go find the right suppliers. Then go find the designer. The designer can cost you anywhere between, again, like 500 and upwards. I mean, normally for quality design, when it comes to building the actual logo and the look and feel of the brand, it can go anywhere between three to 5,000, right? right? So it's a lot. It's a lot you invest in, in something that you, that's your baby. 
Uh, then you have the marketing team, you have the customer service, you have the fulfillment center. Right, right. right. So a lot of these things we de-risk because we already have it in-house. And it's, it's almost uh, unbelievable, but what we, what we've been able, the sweet spot we've been able to find is that people come to us with an idea and they request a sample. And the sample package, we include up to three iterations. If This is not, in, not really what Chef Norman went through. He went through a, another experience altogether. Sure. But normally... Just give it to me like I'm Joe Schmo. Exactly. So Joe Schmo. Normally how it would work, it would be it would range between three hundred dollars to four hundred depending on the, the the package, the recipe, the sample package, right? And with that comes the three iterations of the actual recipe, of like what you end up uh, launching with. Uh, let's say it's granola, a hot sauce, a different type of sauce. Cool. You go through three three different iterations. You we hardly get it right the first time, right? Right. Uh, and Neither we actually, do we. <laughs> and we have some actually. We actually now have some software around it. So you can build the the recipe from your house. So you can just so it's software. Yeah, just like little few questions that we ask, and then we'll based on that we'll we'll put together uh, the recipe. Cool. Um, in that initial sample package, we cover the the custom packaging. So we have our own graphic designers that do a lot of that heavy lifting. Um, we have it includes the the, the actual pa- the actual container that your your uh, product is going to go in. Um, it includes testing the shelf life, but not the product jarred or however packaged yet, right? Yeah, I didn't know we were talking about hot tea in this weather. This is thank you, bro. He's an aggressive man. He's <laughs> an aggressive man. Man, wh- whatever you got, this is the cooler right here. <laughs> So basically, you're going to give them a sample of the recipe, but it wouldn't be in the actual packaging yet. You're just going to give them options for the package, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's not until the final launch, but we get it as close as possible because you we got to be ready. Once you decide, is when we uh, you know uh, we have to order everything in bulk and all that. Um, There's a number. So anyway. We also do the shelf testing, shelf life testing, and we do the nutrition uh, facts uh, label for you. We calculate nutrition facts for you. Um, let's see if I'm forgetting anything else. That includes also the we set up the e-commerce site, so the web page. Uh, we we can connect it to an existing site, um, and yeah. So once that's all done, and you find, you know, we're happy with the result. Um, the way we also way, the way that we sustain ourselves is through a profit sharing agreement. Sure. Normally we do 60/40 split. So we start with 60% goes to the creator. Uh, we just believe that's uh, and again people will criticize us time and time again and saying it should be the other way around, but we believe that that's the way uh, we just believe that's the way it should be. I'll tell you that I think that that's very generous. Thank you. I mean just uh, it's generous. Cuz because we do a lot of the heavy lifting. Well, I'm yeah. just like consuming it all. Like people always have like a thing. They have an idea. Like Nick's beard kit, right? He's got this idea. He's been sitting on this idea for years. You know, those steps that you've taken, it's a lot of tedious, time-consuming work to figure out how the fuck to make all that work. Yeah. So then you are a very complicated and complex middleman. You know what I mean? Like, Well, we make it simple. Yeah. Right, you, you you make all the complicated shit for someone that's got like, I have a great hot sauce, I have a great mustard, I have a great whatever the fuck. 
yeah. and you simplify it to them for basically for I don't know five hundred to a thousand bucks. Yeah. Right. I mean that's that's pretty dope. I mean I would say that that should be intriguing to a lot of people, Thank especially you. the split. Like. Thank you. I'm I'm intri- I'm intrigued to see how you make that work sixty forty for someone else. Thank you. You know, and I know that. Um, me, I'd be like, what about 50 50? 50 50's fine. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, uh, that's cool. The way it works, the thing is, our sweet spot, like in any business, you, you have to start with um, normally big accounts. So normally we work with creators that have, and really the name of the game in today's market in, in, in terms of our business model is working with people who have a large community. That can be on that can be on TikTok, Instagram, sure. YouTube, you name all it. All of my Discord. favorite things. All of your favorite things. Exactly. Favorite favorite things. Are you gamer? I, my TikTok is lit. So is Nick's. Right? I believe it. None of us have the following of Petey's OnlyFans. Petey's OnlyFans though. Is really oh, you got the only, you got OnlyFans. Yeah, there you Petey, go. Just so, Petey, just Petey. But you know he's crushing it. So with, when it comes to really how we make the business work is that we work with creators that have a very large community. Anything. Um, I mean, we, we go as, uh, normally it's like 300,000, um, really we're, we're learning the sweet spot is above, like closer to a million, um, million what fo- like followers. So me and Nick are not in that. <laughs> Nick, we don't qualify. <laughs> not, we're not in there. Not yet, man. But no, we're to- we I'm totally fine <laughs> with just having like none, but that's cool. But no, we're opening it up. I mean, the fact is, I mean, chef Norman, um, he's a legend and, this is, uh, you know, I, we were talking to someone else who was asking us this, these same questions. It's like, do you only work with these type of people? Normally, yes, we do. Um, but there are some, there's always edge cases. And Chef Norman was someone, not, you know, someone we want to work with for a number of reasons. So just yeah, because I of mean, the history and yeah. I mean, I would tell you, I don't even know. I'm sure Norman's got a good following on social media. I, I, I'm not sure, but um it equally works for the both of you because it, it adds credibility credibility to your brand. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, Norman's been a legend for 30 years. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're new on the block, yeah. you know, which there's plenty of great new ideas, but they all need to gain their footing. So people could be like, okay, that's cool. I can actually work with this person. Like, you know, you align yourself with someone like Chef Norman and everyone's like, okay, yeah. I mean, if this guy, then, you know, maybe I should. If he's happy with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Norman's going to blow up. By the way, again, and in the next, uh, by the end of this year, he's going to be everywhere. Norman is going to be everywhere again. Again, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I find the number him, of opportunities are coming his way. It's honestly like I'll let him tell you, but I'm, and that makes me thrilled yeah. to hear uh, because he deserves that and more. Yeah, but I think it's an equally beneficial partnership for yeah. you uh, and for him too because you know he's got a tons of knowledge and things that he's done for years that I think it, it would only make sense for a larger portion of people to be able to try that more so than just the South Florida market, you know? Yeah. So that's cool, man. Like, I, I love that. That's uh, it's a very interesting business model. Thank you. I wish I could look at your P&L and see how that works. But, I mean, it, it's um, it's intriguing. I would how, have you tried launching your own virtual brand? Yeah, no, I mean, I do have my own personal brand. And, uh, oh, virtual, virtual. Oh, virtual? Yeah. No. I don't, I mean, I usually just use, like, anything virtual for just emails. I, w- I was wanting to chime in. You uh, hasn't launched. Yeah. It's not food. But Scoop Records will have a, uh, an e-commerce component. You know, I, I'm not totally sure yet. Oh, really? Yeah, the okay. problem. Okay. All right. 
Thanks. Professor just totally blowing that up. But I'm just, <laughs> what Sorry, I'm saying. I thought that was public uh, stuff. Yeah, no, Scoop Records is going to be a retail store for records. And obviously, we're going to have a, a lot of delicious ice cream by Chef Devin. But mm-hmm. the the idea of, like, records, like, I mean, I, I want, like, 80% of our records to be old and used. I don't want, like, repressed stuff. Okay. So I'm working with someone, a very good friend of mine, that's got a very extensive collection, and he's going to help me buy some collections. So then that's what we start selling at the beginning. So the problem is, is that, like, if I have a cold train that's a first press that's worth 300 bucks, I'm only going to have one of those. Or if you're lucky enough to get, like, an MF Doom, you know what I mean? Yeah. But if Kendrick drops a new album and you buy 10 of those, they're all going to sell. So maybe that's what's on the e-commerce website. It's a very interesting thing because, like, for me, our main focus there is definitely going to be ice cream, right? The, the record portion of that on top is just to make the concept fun and more interesting. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little selfish because I'm a record head. So I wanted that. But um, to be able to keep up with that, it takes a lot of day-to-day maintenance that I don't know if we're built to do. And thanks, Nick, for that. That's so good to remind me how much I hate that whole fact. That's good. <laughs> I, uh, I get the feeling you're going to figure it out. I mean, listen, you could figure it out, right? Uh, but it'll take time. Like, I don't know if it's something that we could figure out from day one. Yeah. Adding an e-commerce aspect to that would be like posting it on social media, saying that you're selling it for 20 bucks, and then trying to sell it through there. That That's pretty much it. Like, having to upload it to a website and the whole thing, I don't really see us doing that because... We're not just a record store. If we were just going to be a record store, then I would have to approach it completely different, like a retail space with just records. Right. But we're a food operation. You know, the the real star of that show is going to be the six to eight different flavors of ice cream and the two flavors of soft serve. Wow. Those are those are the stars. The other stuff is just really fun and cool. You know, um, I don't know how many record store slash ice cream shops do you know? Hmm. No. How about you? Zero. Zero. Okay. I'm just saying that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to bring up. Can't wait, man. I mean, you, how many, did, was this your first baby? Ariette is my first child. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's reluctant and a pain in the ass, but she's, you know, um, it's been... It's Are you been, happy? Are you proud? I mean, every day, incredibly. It should be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you said, there's, there's a lot of bumps in the road with any new business. And I think restaurants specifically... At the beginning, they deal with a very, like, a huge high, and everyone's like, wow, this is great, and, like, we're so busy, we're going to fucking crush it. And then the bottom drops out from under you. The bottom, in all of them, in the the best concepts to the best restaurants, the ones that are, it's incredibly rare for someone to just crush it from day one and have a line out the door every day. It's very tough to do that. It's like, I mean, a one in a million kind of thing. And good for them. I did not experience that. None of my restaurants have experienced that. They've all been like, start off very well. Hey, year two, it's a struggle. Year three, you see an increase. Year four, you see an increase. You just got to be a good business person. Right. You have to like, and that's kind of the thing is that uh, when you're a day-to-day operator, you have to, you know, for me, it's take your head out of the cutting board and start to assess like, how do we make this business survive? And how do we make it better? And how do we operate better? And it's like that for any business align yourself with good people seems like you got a great team around you i have an amazing team an incredible team i have incredible partners which is also super rare and not common and you know i obviously had to i had hurdles there too um but when you get lucky you get lucky it's the people that make the place and and that's 
And that's the reality of it. Because if it was just me, this shit wouldn't be here. Without a doubt. Well, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? That's what they say? Yeah. I mean... I'm sure you got some great stories with Chef Norman and uh, on, well, on the rise. To, um, to repeat one of my best coaches' quotes, you know, luck is just when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, I get lucky every day, but I... I have been prepared for every single opportunity that was thrown at me. And sometimes, you know, you don't nail it all the time, but as long as you're somewhat there and you're somewhat prepared and you're, you have the work ethic to do it, you'll fight through it. You'll fight through it. Yeah. I mean, chef and I went back forever and he like coached me. Scott, did you walk all the way around? Yeah. You just, no, you just walk through, man. Yeah. Just walk through it. Nah, fuck that. <laughs> everyone, everyone deserves to see your mohawk, anyways. <laughs> um, I mean, I owe the guy a lot, a lot for my whole career. But again, when you make those sacrifices to work for those kind of people, because you know it's going to be tough, and you know that it's just going to be worth it at the end, then you do it. You know. What's your north star? Like, what's what's uh? I've never heard that term. What does that mean by my north star? Like what gets you, what get, what gets you through the challenges? I go. I mean, I'm I'm going to push through it because this is what I'm going towards. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. Okay. It's not quite a north star. No. I mean, I, I think I think being a I, I mean, there's no like, there's no blueprint for a chef that's opening up a restaurant. Like, yeah. what do you where do you see yourself in ten years? I'm just alive. You know, like. You fought through all the shit and you just made it. Like any chef that could say like my goal, I mean, I guess personal goals is I want to open a very small, incredibly fine dining restaurant. Like that's it. But even if that never happens, I reached my goal when I was 24. My goal was sitting next to it. But then at that point, goals change. Right. You know, like you've already reached it. So are you just, what's next? So you're going to be good there. And I was very, I'm obviously very proud of where we got to, but then it's like, what's the next thing? I wonder, so I think it's an interesting question, the, the North Star thing. Does, I guess, you know, your North Star can change over time, but I imagine that, like, at, at the time that that was your goal, you might not have thought that you were going to get there when you were 24. It probably seemed farther off. No, what I'm saying, well, I, that was my, when I was 24 or 23, my goal was to open up a restaurant. And actually, I still, because, you know, whatever. I, I write a lot of my thoughts within all of my notebooks. And, you know, my goal was to open up a restaurant that had X, Y, and Z in it, and it should look like this. And if you were to read those notes from when I was 23 or 24, it's exactly this. So then, but you get there, and then your goal at that point is to not fucking close. <laughs> not close, serve the best food that you can, provide the best service you can, provide the best experience you can. And then when you're doing that and you're nailing that, then your goals change. I'd love to win a Beard Award. I'd love to win a Michelin star. I'd love to do that. But those goals are kind of like outside of our reach and sometimes outside of reality. Like I would love to do all those things, but sometimes sometimes you just don't get there. Sometimes uh, people don't give credit to the people that deserve it. And I'm not just speaking about myself. I'm speaking about a a lot of other people. And you just kind of move on. Because, again, as we get older, goals change. You know, my goals are really to have, to build a company that I could be incredibly proud of, which I have, and I think that we do a great job, but also is to provide 
to provide a place for all of my employees that really love to come to work every day and feel like they they love their job, you know, and just like and to know that they're being challenged, to know that it's like it's never going to be easy. But at the same time, they're working in a place that they could be proud of, I think, is a huge goal and worth more than any award on the planet. Um, 100 percent. Yeah. Maybe not any. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We never know. I mean, on Tom, just talking about the Michelin star, I've heard that Mammy is changing. That we we're getting, uh, you know, potentially the culture will be ready for, for that. I mean, I know that's another topic in and of itself, right? The no, I mean, the culture is ready. I think the city is ready to at least be rated. Yeah. Okay. To at least be, you know, for them to come here and try our shit. Um, I just I don't think that there's like. We've talked about this an exhausting amount on this podcast. Is like, are there enough places? I don't know. But I guess we'll see. Time will tell. I mean, you can't like, uh, can't harp on things that are outside of your control. Right. That's you know? very smart. Know but, what you can control. But the landscape is changing. So what's, I guess, in to use the Belen term, what's your North Star? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's a Belen term, but I, well, I'll, I'll, take I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um. You know? Man, it's always been, um, yeah, I mean, what keeps me going is this idea that I'm getting closer to building that company that would uh, do what I originally set out to do, which was like better protect my family from disease. With every launch, I mean, for a very long time, I couldn't go, and I still sometimes can't go into the supermarket and look at these brands with all the pesticides and all that. Um, uh, what gets me out of bed every morning knowing that every, with each brand that I help launch, it's, a, it's another product that I'm more comfortable with my family having right it doesn't have the pesticides it'll help protect them uh, so I continue doing that and there's more that I want to do in terms of uh, the future of Cura but that's the North Star yeah yeah I mean this is still the beginning for you how long have you been doing this um it's almost uh, a little over two years now yeah, yeah. two years yeah. still early yeah. I mean you have like a long time to figure out what I guess the end game North Star would be, and like yeah. I said, I'm six years into this, and like I don't, I don't know if I could tell you a definitive like, yeah, this is like this is exactly where I want to be. I have no fucking clue to be honest. I just know I do wake up with daily goals, and I guess my goal every day is to make sure that we're operating at a certain level that you know we can all be proud of. And I think I think day to day goals for me are much more important than long term. Because, like, the long-term goal right now is that we have to open up Chugs. And then after that, we have to open up our downtown location. You know, like, that. those are my long... If I had to think past that, I would probably run my head straight into a wall. You know, because those things are in my face. They're very important, and they need to be figured out. And they need to be... They're uh, high priority, I guess you would. I don't want to... Like, I'm not a daydreamer. I'm just, like, an overall just... You execute. Hopefully, most of the time. No, clearly, man, it, it, it shows. And what, what's helping you get through those like uh, those new projects? Are you considering doing Reef Kitchens or anything else? Never. Never? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> never. I would never give Reef any of my money. I'd love to talk. I mean, this was, I knew, we were talking, I was talking to Nick about this earlier. I knew sure. we were, we were going to get into it, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what is it that you know about Reef? Um, I mean, I've done a bit of research of where they came from. I knew they started off as a like a parking lot uh, management software. They basically had a lot of real estate, yeah. Uh, and now they've started to optimize the space. 
they got these little pods. Now they're getting into all sorts of things like reef kitchens, I think reef clinics. I mean, they were originally, from what I learned, they were originally called uh, park jockey, something like that. Oh, yeah? I, yeah, park I, jockey. Okay. You, you, I kind of remember that vaguely. And after they got a, a, a lot of funding by this company called SoftBank, uh, this bank, actually, uh, they rebranded into Reef. I guess the idea is that they're building an ecosystem. But I don't. other than that, I've heard a number of people tell me they've had, uh, unfortunately, a terrible experience working with them. Which doesn't shock me because at the end of the day, they are just a real estate company, right? So all they're trying to do is maximize their property value by saying, we're going to help. It. And what I cannot stand, I cannot stand is when someone sells you a fucking bill of goods. Just fucking shoot me straight here. Like, do not fucking... Don't beat around the bush. Be honest. What is it that you really need? You really need me to pay you a percentage of my fucking sales. You're not trying to help me execute my dream. If my dream of opening a restaurant was supposed to be in this fucking 10 by 10 box, putting shit in a fucking plastic box to give it to a shitty Uber driver to treat it like shit to get to some fucking house now we're getting started. in 30 fucking minutes... Right? And it's going to be fucking cold. I'm very sorry. That's not my fucking dream. 100%. Yeah. Of course. So yeah. don't sell me a bill of goods. We're going to help you achieve your dream. Fuck you. <laughs> Straight up. Like, that's not my dream. That's your dream. You know why? Because I'm increasing your property value. Shoot me straight. Yeah. This is what you want. You're a real estate company. You know, like, how so many companies all benefit from real estate. Right? McDonald's. Right. McDonald's is the perfect example. Listen. I'm not talking shit about McDonald's. They they do McDonald's jobs. You know what I'm saying? Right. But they own, I think, the most real estate in the world. Right? They, I didn't know that, but I'm, good to know. I'm, I'm almost positive. They buy the property, and the franchisee buys the franchise from them. They put it on there. Then the franchisee pays them rent, and then they have to pay. Then they pay franchising fees, and then they have to receive all their product from McDonald's, the company. Tell me okay. where they lose money. They do not. <laughs> Right, and then on top of that, the franchisee makes a fuck ton of money. They're usually they're, um, they're like what they get back is anywhere anywhere between ten to fifteen percent. Wow. Okay, so they're in there for a long time. Yeah. I mean, they're they they're making money from day one. It's a proven model, and McDonald's benefits. So good for them. But McDonald's doesn't lie and say, "Hey, listen, we're like we're gonna sell sell you your dream." Right, right, right. They right. don't. They say we're gonna sell you a fucking McDonald's. <laughs> You know, that, that to me is the thing, and I just can't... When, when did they, they approach you? Who? Uh, Reef or... Never. No, no. Oh, come on. But through friends of friends, you know... No, I you know. just know. I just know friends of friends, the selling of the dream. It's just like the it's just like the food hall, the selling of the dream. Open your dream restaurant. Motherfucker, if a counter was my dream restaurant, <laughs> I don't know, man. And listen, I'm sure for some people it may be. Yeah. It may be, but for me it's not. So... And then also, you're going to take 30% of my sales. I can't sell any Bev. I can't sell any NA Bev. This is food halls. It's totally different, but can't sell any NA Bev. And then you're going to sp- you're going to spot three bars in the middle of this location. That you're going to pay those bartenders six bucks an hour mm-hmm. plus their tips. And then that's where you're living at a 15% cost. And then you're that's where you're going to make your money. And then you're still going to th- take 30% of my sales. Another guy, you can go fuck yourself also. I'm just saying. This is all, no, like, it, it's yeah. all like people selling a bill of goods. Sorry to go on a rant. It's been a while. <laughs> I apologize. I'm glad. I but you had I, a trigger word, you know, <laughs> reef, food hall, dreams. No, and you're not the only one, man. I, I uh, you know, there was a couple of people at your event, um, which I will not name, have had similar, you know, stories. Uh, and someone else that at wasn't. At, 
your event? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah? Well, personally, just, I mean, I, I can't say how long, how far along the conversation they went, but they fundamentally, they just weren't aligned. The visions weren't aligned. Um, there was someone that did go ahead and launch with them uh, in multiple, I think over, I think over 30 locations throughout the U.S. And fortunately, it hurt their brand because of the oh, fact that. Of course it did. The consistency wasn't there. Right. Because, because uh, like, what do they what do they care about? They just want to put the product out there so they can start making revenue, so they can start taking a percentage of your sales. Right. And then at that point, when they start creating revenue, what happens to their property value? It starts to go up because now they're receiving rent. They show monetary value on the property. Come on, man. You know, like, and yeah. thirty locations. Like, man, you tell me thirty locations again. That's another scenario. I want to fucking drive my head straight into a wall because it's like I don't know if some person in jacksonville is going to be treating my frita the way it should be i need yeah. to be there with them at least for six months to make sure that they're treating my frita the way it should be right so you want to be able to train them things like that yeah yeah i mean old school mentality is still the best i don't care you know a lot of things are new school and they're cool and they're fine and they're like uh woke right the kids say woke uh but at the end of the day that old school training mentality like i need to sit here with you i need to train you on this we need to do it over and over and over and over again. If you're going to be the person that's going to be running this location, you need to understand X, Y, and Z. So, it was one of those things that was kind of, I guess it kind of sounded cool. It sounds great. Yeah. Sounds amazing. Yeah. A lot of things sound fucking amazing. And then when you get there, it's not. Yeah. Turns out Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> I mean, you know, true. <laughs> that's true. So, what? how are you... Uh, working through these new projects then if you're not going through you, you got to give this guy his own podcast he's a great inter- i feel like i'm getting interviewed right now he's actually great at this man i might give him one and this is good one yeah kura the podcast we'll, we'll do we'll do that next we'll do yeah, that next kura the podcast yeah, the kura cast kura cast <laughs> done 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 don't leave me under the date under the date umbrella don't forget it we'll take 30 percent of your sales no worries <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding as not as, we as, I, as, long as, you, as long as i get more tea it's fine yeah Nick takes thirty percent of my sales too. I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. Yeah, Nick takes thirty percent of my sales, and they're nothing. So don't you worry about it. (laughs) Sorry. Anyways, Um, that's (laughs) Patreon.com/slash/DadeMag. Oh man, get a mug every three months when you pledge fifteen dollars. What are these people going to do with all these fucking mugs? Man, it's up to them. They'll, I'll they'll, buy a mug back from someone. No, listen, if, if you have too many mugs, you can switch to the Abuela Mami tier so you have something to put in the mugs. You're just trying to drive people for more money. I'll subscribe. Yeah. I'll subscribe. Yeah. I want a mug. Hey, listen, you, it's, it's okay. You're you're helping us plenty here. Hey, whoever's <laughs> out there that has an extra mug, I'll buy one of your mugs off you. Why are we buying mugs? That's <laughs> because I want a mug. I'm not going to go oh, get on Patreon. Fuck. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. At that point, I'll be in the negative here. I still have no idea what Patreon is. It's it's OnlyFans, just no tits. It's I no- just really feel like we should have an OnlyFans, right? Pongo Podcast OnlyFans, like Petey the Dog OnlyFans. You got to diversify, you know. You got to see what, the, to, what Nick, the people listen, want. Listen, Nick, to, listen to the man. <laughs> I know. I just He's said a business I don't have owner much for a reason. For I, what I want is an assistant to help me put all of Petey's dick pics on OnlyFans. <laughs> right. That's what I want. Is this is this thing on? I think I clicked it off. Is it on? There's no clicking it off. Yeah. No. Yeah. All right. Cool. Just checking. I don't know. Um, sorry, what were you saying before I, I, yeah, so then how you, I hired you for the next, uh, Dade, Dade Mag podcast? Let me know. Let me know. I'll be here. Um, so that if you're not going the Reef Kitchens route, like, 
because their pitch has also been like, oh, we help lower the barrier to uh, the cost, you know, uh, the upfront cost of starting a brick and mortar, right? So, and you've got a, a ton of new projects, it sounds like, coming up. Sure. How are you going about it? I mean, I'm, we're just doing the work ourselves. Same, like, the same way you always do it. Right? Yeah, I mean, hire people, train people, control your menu, control the space. And I just don't, like, I, I don't see where they help me at all. I don't see how. No, ex- no, that's. Uh, I, well, that I'm sense. just saying, like, expand to what? I don't have. I, I don't really have a concept that I want to make 30 locations of either. I think all of our locations are specific to one. Okay. Maybe eventually there could be a couple of one or whatever, but I don't really see what we do that benefits them at all. They've also probably heard how um, how much I dislike them. <laughs> so no, I'm sure they. Yeah, by now they have. No, they they have. Their uh, director of marketing is like a very good friend of mine. Okay. Yeah, so. Um, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll pivot it away from Reef Kitchens. Again, they have a ton of real estate. I'm, I'm, it sounds like they're doing clinics. It sounds like they're doing a lot of things. Um, so maybe it's just kind of one of those things that they'll, they're trying to figure out what works. Um, but I'm more curious to know, how do you think about these new concepts? Like when you come up with uh, this new project, what is it called? Which one? The um, Things start with a C? Scoop? Scoop? No, scoop. Uh, is it Scoop? There's Scoop. There's Laurel. Okay. Um, and Underdogs. But the, the one that we've been working on for two years now is called Chugs. Chugs. That's the yeah. one. Chugs. Not new. This isn't a new concept. We, uh, we had this one for a few years now, but it was a pop-up, and then we closed it, and then now we're remodeling it. Okay. It's be big. So how do I think of these concepts i mean there's really only been like one concept that's ever been planned out for like years which is this one this one right here okay right the other ones were there's an opportunity for a space uh what makes sense in this area what do we think within those things that make sense fits who we are and do we want to do it that's how how it works and then you know from there like I'll brainstorm and work. And then obviously we have an incredible team and we'll brainstorm and we'll work through ideas and work through stuff. We have an incredible branding and marketing team. We have an incredible PR team and it's just a lot of conversations and a lot of like, there's a bunch of people in the room that have been through a lot of different things that know a lot of different things and asking everyone's opinion. Um, It takes a village really. Mm -hmm. Chugs was a little bit more of an interesting story because it was like, there's a pop-up. They want us to do it for six months. It was very tiny. What do you want to do here? And I was like, well, we could do this, that, and that, you know. And then we also had Geo's Pasolitos and we needed a home for that. So it was a little more organic and it was a little easier. Okay. Some of these uh, other, other things, it was more like there's a space. It's this big. What do you think are our options for here? And then it's kind of building from scratch, you know. So, okay. so you learn you learn about the, you know, where you're going to build it. What the I guess it sounds like you you do the, like a good amount of research on the demographic of the neighborhood, right? The area you spend some time there. Like I'll go to like a really like odd neighborhood and just spend like two hours at night and just kind of like looking around, walking around, whatever. And then also doing like actual study on the neighborhood and then seeing like what's the age demographics, what's uh, 
the usual income of the average household and so on and so forth and what really fits here, mm -hmm. you know? A lot of that has to do with it. And also, I think most importantly is like how motivated is the landlord? Okay. Like how much do they really want you there? Because if if you go out there and look for the opportunity, they're usually going to fucking hold your feet over the fire. But if they come looking for you, you have more firepower. Right. At, at a negotiating table, you can really dictate term instead of other way around. So, you know. I'm guessing right now the way the market is, it's not really uh... – favorable or things are it seems like the prices are just going up um i mean the commercial market's always been pretty lit up okay you know like pre-covid during covid they got a, a little more desperate and after covid it's it actually i feel like there was somewhat rectification to the commercial market now personal like home property market and that's completely different the way both those markets they The way they react to what's happening in the world is completely different. Right now, you have a fuck ton of people moving. You have a fuck ton of people like, I don't know, just changing their life. So that market is pretty lit up. But the commercial one, I think, actually got rectified a bit and maybe in a better situation for us on the, you know, ownership concept side as opposed to the real estate concept side. Now, something else that we've talked about a lot, people come to you say, I have a lease for like 24 months you should automatically tell them to go fuck themselves because that's all they're trying to do is to re-rectify to where they were before okay. and drive the market back up. Okay. So it's our job to not be dumb and say no, 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 no. There's a lot of power in saying no. So, and just taking your time because like, you know, I, the biggest issue I see for like first time anyone owners or whatever is that they have, They have a romance about their business, and I know it very well. Like, I'm still very much in love with my first concept, and I don't think that'll ever change. Nice work, Chef Danny. Keep it up. Doing a great job. Have you lost some weight? No. No, you haven't. I was kidding. Um, and not kind of falling on the sword and saying, like, this is the location. I don't care what the price is, because that shit's going to bite you in the ass down the road. And have you personally seen firsthand... Miami culture changing with everyone moving down. You mentioned a lot of people moving down. I've seen firsthand New, York, New Yorkers, San Franciscans, you know, because of the pandemic. Um, Do you see it yourself? I don't, I don't think so. No. I mean, I mean, for a few months there, we were like real busy, but that was season time. I think right now it's like regular July time. Um, I don't know. I don't really see it that much. Okay. I, I think, you know, like Miami, like Chima is like very much, it's always, it's like wildfire. It's like, oh, this is happening because of this and this is happening because of this. I, I feel like we're pretty much on par with how things have been in the past. And what, sorry, last question. Where do you see the future of food going in Miami? In what sense? Um... I love talking about this because a lot for a lot from my perspective, at least from from the little I know, is that Miami has always put a lot of emphasis on like the party scene and less so much on the food, on the quality of the food. Sure, right? It's all about lights, cameras, smoke and mirrors, smoke and mirrors, sparklers on shitty cakes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But are you seeing that change now? I mean, I think that there's a forceful change. I think that there's a lot of people 
right now a lot of young chefs and restaurateurs that are forcing their hand to change that. Um, but you still have the, like the behemoth beast of what's been here before and what kind of like the stereotype of who we are really is. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's an unseen battle between both sides. Doesn't that sound like an epic movie? Right? <laughs> the unseen battle. Yeah. Between good and bad. Oh. Yeah, I like it. All right. Directed coming by Bangkok Podcast. Coming soon to an OnlyFans near you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that there's... I think that there's... People are fighting the fight to cook great food and provide great service and provide great cocktails mm. and wine and so on and so forth. And then there's those a good amount of people that don't give a fuck and they just do a lot of the other things really well, which is cool, um, I guess, if that's what you're proud of um and and there's still a lot of people who do it um i wish they would take a little more time on the other parts but honestly i can only control what i control and what i control is my company and uh what other people do if they want to suck in certain aspects they can suck in certain aspects that's totally up to them i know i can't sleep at night like that Mm -hmm. i mean we put a lot of emphasis into like old school foundationary hospitality and um i think that that shit is timeless you know and you know they they continue to try to drive the other aspects down our fucking throat like you know uber eats and all that other trash are you using uber eats no no no. not not in one location no okay cool amazing yeah Yeah, you're more uh you're more sustainable you don't got to worry about uh well and i know i've done this before but we can rehash this so you add Uber Eats, it makes you busier, right? They take 30% of your sale, right? So where exactly are you making money? Because then you need to increase labor, right? Right. When you increase that labor to substantiate the sales of Uber Eats, you also increase your impact on paper goods. You increase your impact also on the planet top of that because you're using paper goods a lot of people use styrofoam they use plastic i'm not saying we don't use those things we don't use styrofoam but um we try to use less of it um you know the impact goes across the board yeah it does and so then then this is a double-edged sword right so let's say you don't increase your labor and you just say okay this is good because i'm making an extra 1500 bucks a night but then you have people that come to your establishment and then their experience suffers so then their experience, because you're fulfilling Uber Eats orders, that again is going to get picked up from some person that doesn't give a fuck what's in the bag unless they want some of that chips and guac that's in there, mm-hmm. and they'll stick their digits in there and finger fuck it and eat it. Or are you going to pay attention to the guests that spent their time to get in their fucking car, spend their gas, get dressed up or whatever, and come to your establishment and want to spend time inside of something that you built? Right. And it's like, it's a double-edged sword. So you don't increase labor, you suffer. You increase labor, you suffer. Where exactly is the benefit? I do not see the benefit at all. That's a good point. So I I just like, and I would tell anyone from Uber Eats, like, I just, I still don't get it. I get it for them, but I don't get it for me. They could say branding and marketing. So let's talk about branding and marketing, right? 
So then what the restaurant owner usually does, like let's say I'm selling this chicken sandwich for 10 bucks, but they take 30% of that sale. So let's say I increase it by 30%. So now it's 13 bucks, and that's just a sandwich. Then you add fries, and that's another five. Or let's say I charge five in the restaurant. Now I'm going to charge seven. So now they're at, they're at 20 bucks for a fucking sandwich and fries. So then on top of that, they get you have, you have to pay tax. You have to pay... I think it's like service charge and delivery charge. Right. And they have to tip the person that's delivering it. Right? So now their conception is that for that chicken sandwich and fries, and it doesn't matter how fucking banged up they were, because there's a good chance they were banged up if they're eating that by themselves. Like, they just spent 28 bucks on a chicken sandwich and fries. So now the branding and marketing that you're putting out there to the world is that you sell a $28 chicken sandwich. Yeah. It's not very accessible. It's not very exciting either. <laughs> it doesn't make me want to go, man, I can't wait to order that sandwich from Uber Eats again. Yeah. So Joe can deliver it to me. You know? And the quality is not going to be the same. It's a, it's really it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I also don't find it that tough, right? Because our food here, it doesn't belong in a box. There was a time. There was once upon a time during COVID that we we're building food to go into a box, mm-hmm. and that's that was a, a challenge for us. But like, how do we do this? How do we do that? You know, how do we make it more interesting for the guests? So you did to, your own delivery. We did do our own delivery during COVID. Oh, nice. Yeah, we didn't do Uber Eats either. Maybe. I paid the extra insurance. I paid for. I made managers, delivery drivers, paid for their gas, oh, the whole thing. You know, we managed our own delivery service. How was that? Shitty. <laughs> and I never want to do it again. I think, it, you know, there's it's certain... It's tough, aspects, man. It's not easy. Yeah. Well, I think there's certain aspects that make sense, right? Yeah. It's like... So let me ask you, in, in your situation, you have a fulfillment center. Yeah. So then they handle all delivery for you. Correct. Right. Yeah. And that, is that based here locally or is it out of state? It's in West Palm. Oh, that's not too bad. That's bad, though. No. Yeah, that's good. We drive up every, every week. Just I'm, to... I'm interested, like, for your brand, do you try to work as locally as you can? We don't have to. Yeah. Well, I know that you don't have to, but I'm asking, do you make it? Do you make a point or an attempt to do that? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we're from Miami. We love. We love to be. Yeah, we love to be a Miami company. So, we love to work with locals. This is something I wanted to ask you. Um, I'm worried. <laughs> no, because when we were talking about the refishes, I forgot to ask you. But I've seen some uh, restaurant owners explore the idea of spinning up another concept under their own roof. Yeah. So. Is that something you've tried? I mean, I, I've entertained that idea. Yeah. Um, I've thought about it for sure. But, and I guess we kind of do that. Like, you know, Geo works at, under the Ariad umbrella with Pasolito Papi for now. Okay. Um, oh, okay. I see. You know, I guess maybe that's kind of the same thing. And people come and they pick up. You know, sometimes we'll deliver, but we'll deliver it ourselves. But that's cool because the future of food, I mean, you can, as a restaurant owner, really spin up as many concepts as you're able to do, as you feel makes sense. Well, I mean, and it's also very interesting. I've always been intrigued by the concepts that close at like three, you know, because like you pay rent 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So, and it's the same thing like with us, like Ariad never had a lunch business and I tried for years and it just was never there. And I just had to cut it out. But, you know, like, we still pay rent during the day. 
you know, so there's other avenues and aspects that you could use that for, but you also need to have the infrastructure and be prepared to do that. Right. Because if you, if you start trying to do something, you don't do it right. You're fucked. Yeah. You're fucked. So, you know, when area was doing very bad and Uber Eats was calling me at the beginning to do a thing. And I was like, well, what if we did this thing and blah, blah. And then I just realized so quickly how raw the deal was with Uber Eats. And I was like, fuck it. I don't even give a fuck. Fuck that. And then it turned into like a whole other different type of like how much I dislike them. But um, <laughs> well, it turns out you didn't need them. Yeah. I mean, I would prefer not needing them for sure. Nice work, Dan. Chef Dan. Love it. So, all right. Enough about me, man. Who gives a fuck about me? <laughs> What's uh, the next step for you? So you, you did launch with three creators. Oh, yeah, we have about six others who are preparing to launch. Uh, we're, I mean, I just want to continue to launch new brands, help them launch new brands, people that align with our morals. Yeah, uh, you're all in. Yeah, all in, man, all in. Um, eventually, who knows, maybe we'll have our own actual Cura Market brick and mortar where you can find cool. brands that you that you believe in. What I'm a, tired of faceless brands. I like people to know who, who who made the food, where it came from, you know, who's the person behind it. I mean, you know, long term, that's going to be tough. I'm just saying, long term, that's going to be tough. If they want, it's, let's say you open up a brick and mortar here and then yeah. they're like, we love this. We want to do it in, I don't know, Boston. Yeah. It's going to be tough. I mean, I, I believe that you can make it happen. I just know that it's tough. It won't be easy. Yeah. What are uh, some? Are there any marketplaces right now that you enjoy? Yeah, food marketplaces. Yeah. You could say no. It's totally fine. I actually prefer you to say no. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to find a good marketplace. There I, you I go. Enjoy. What What is the one you dislike the most? <laughs> <laughs> Beep. It's okay. They probably don't listen, anyways. Yeah. You no, know, I would say it's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, there's a number of. I think honestly, just the. And we're back. We just had to cut that piece out, everyone. Sorry so much. Um, remember to hit us up on uh, Patreon. Patreon. We're going to need you at patreon.com slash datamag. No, not everything they do is bad. Some of it, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Oh, man. We'll leave it at that. That's good. I've stuck my foot in my mouth a lot. But that was pretty bad. <laughs> That's good. Uh, anyways, we just all... Uh, so tell me... Uh, Tell, tell me why you love ah, you know, so <laughs> where, do, where, where do I start? Where do I... Oh, it's so refreshing and bold. Yeah, right? The bathroom. <laughs> oh, man. I think I'm going to have that uh, Negroni. Let me ask you a question, though. When you say, like, when I think of Marketplace, I think of, like, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, yeah. Publix, shit like that. Is that not how you see it? No, I do. I do. I, I, I do. Yeah. Um, None I of think, those people do a good job? No, they do, man. Actually, they actually do. I talk, I, you can go to any of those places and find some good products, for sure. Uh, I wouldn't I, totally agree any of those places, but you can go to, like, some of them. Yeah. You know, like, some of them are built for, I don't know, man, like, it's just, you. it is the most streamlined, like, broad commodity shit you could find right you know but even so like when you go to those nicer markets and it's like all fancy and nice and it's got a nice label it's still trash when you read it Mm -hmm. you know like you read the label and it's got this beautiful thing and a beautiful bottle or whatever and you read the label and you're like what the fuck is all of this right exactly Exactly. so 
And it's, it's, it's one of those things because, like, you know, you know this well, right? Building a business is hard, but building a, a, a good business is even harder, right? Because uh, it's unrealistic to say, I mean, for the most part, business has had a like, negative stigma, but I think there's like a new wave of businesses where like we're making, I mean, I would consider our generation to be we're a little bit more forward thinking, right? We want to do, we want to do good. We want to build something we're proud of, right? Sure. Do less harms to the world. A number of things that we want to like improve. Um, and that's all like, I mean, when I, so I, when I look at brands that are just looking at the profit margins and things like that, I kind of, it, it's, uh, it's not the future that I, I hope for, um, for my family, for my future kids. You know, I just want to be able to, there's so much, so much power behind, behind food. Like, you know, very well, food is the linchpin to our society. It creates cultures, it, you know, influences behavior changes. It is, it uh, is the essence and the backbone of community. Exactly. There's so much power behind it, mm-hmm. right? And, and, there, and there's a lot of good you can do with that power, right? With great power comes great responsibility. But within food, no matter what aspect of food you create, let's say, let's say the sauce is with Chef Norman, right? Yeah. You create an opportunity for someone to have a special experience within their own home. Exactly. Within a friend's home, within a thing. That's what food does. You know, like here, what I... I think what I preach to my staff all the time is like, we are fortunate and we're blessed to have the fact that there's people that come here every day that spend two hours, sometimes three, if they're really getting into it, four hours of their time to forget about the world and to just be here. Right. You know, like that's, that's incredible, you know, and that's really what the essence of community is. You're just delivering that to people's doorstep, which is cool too. You know, like you can, again, it's a sample of an experience that people are creating somewhere else. And the fact that you're going to have a Norman product in California is amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah, we're in the business of quality experiences. I think what we do is very similar. Um, and we just want to be able to do that all, you know, worldwide. Um, there's a, and I think quality products really, it comes down to the ingredients, just the level of care you put into it, right? Right. I don't like to use the word healthy because it's a it's a loaded term. What's healthy for one can be very unhealthy for another. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, you just look for quality. That's what we focus right. on. So let's say long term goals is to continue growing and to hopefully have a brick and mortar one day. Yeah. Cool. I love that goal for you. Thank you. Love that. Hope you get there. And tell me. I think one thing we like to, we'd also like to put a little clinic in that brick and more a clinic. Oh yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, that's interesting. Because food and I mean, nutrition and, and, and health, it's just like, it, it goes hand in hand. But when you tell someone a clinic that, you know, you need to be more specific. It's like, I broke my ankle. I'm going to go to you <laughs> or like, I need a health regimen and I need to, uh, I need a meal plan. I need to, and listen, those are all like, I actually find that pretty amazing and super intriguing because for me, someone that has a super fucked up schedule, like my dream right now is to have someone like, tell me what the fuck I should eat every day and I will pay for someone to like structure that for me, right. you know, because like my eating habits and my days are super fucked up all the time. So, you know, and I've gone through several steps and like I've seen several things. I, I personally feel very uncomfortable with all of it. 
right? Because I know about food. So I look at all of that and I'm just kind of like, I don't know. So when you say clinic, if that's what you mean, I think that that's a great goal. But if you're trying to break, uh, fix people's broken ankles, also that's cool, whatever you're into. But <laughs> I'm just saying. Not exactly that. But yeah, more or less what you said the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More like a nutritional clinic. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah, I think that's great. And actually having like face-to-face, face-to-face interaction with someone about your health is incredibly important. And if you were to create that inside of a market, even better because people feel uncomfortable going into that scenario. But people feel comfortable going to buy bananas at the store. Same. There's a lot we have to test to see if that, whether or not this is going to work. But a lot of iron out. But anyway. I think it's a we... great idea. <laughs> I put my stamp on it. Done. Pankum podcast stamp. Nick, what, what did we not do here? I know the I didn't do plenty down. of things. The wind down. I just want to I want to congratulate Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did I nail that? You got it. Pretty close. Yeah. Man, that's so. good. That's good. Congratulations on their NBA championship. This was very, very similar to the 06 uh, finals, I would like to say. Mavericks yeah. go up 2-0. Heat take four straight. As soon as they won game three, I was like, I don't know. This smells really fishy. Oh, and then they were just crushing it. I was pushing. I was pulling for the Suns. You know, I wanted to see Chris Paul get a chip. But I honestly didn't give a fuck because the Heat lost in four a long time ago. Right. Right. So. What are you going to do? Ah, nothing. Now we just got to watch fucking baseball for the next two months. Wrong I, with won't, I won't be watching baseball. There's uh, nothing wrong with baseball. There's nothing wrong with it. I just, I'm not a fan of it on TV. I know. You got to go to the game. You go to the games? I haven't in a long time. Okay, all right. But I should. We'll, we'll, do, uh, we'll do a live podcast from the game. I, I don't think they'd allow it, and that makes it better. I think we should start recording a podcast <laughs> at a game and get kicked out on the podcast. <laughs> I actually think this is genius. This is I think that's great. Where's Derek Jeter? Derek, let me in, bro. We're just going to be give us one people. of the boxes. They're not all being used. It's fine. Roaming around Marlin Stadium with uh, with microphones. I love it. Yeah, I love that. I yeah. love it. Uh, so this is where we do the wind down, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we start with our parting recommendations. We will all recommend at least one thing. Could at be absolutely one. anything, as long as it's not yours. Could be a book, a movie. Uh, uh, a travel destination, a meal, a workout, uh, uh, a condiment, whatever, uh, that the people should try or do or what have you. Mike, do you have anything here? Parting recommendations? Give me a second. I'm going to recommend, and it's possible that I've already recommended it, but I'm deeper into it, Uh and I still vouch for it just as much. Not the greatest thing in the world, but good enough. Superman and Lois. A, oh, yeah? It's a CW series. It's got a little bit of that. You watch CW series? I like, don't. I'm not against it. I'm just shocked, you know? I, I don't, but my mom watches a lot of sci-fi, and superhero stuff is close enough to sci-fi that she watches it all. Love that. So when she heard that this was a thing, she started watching it, and she'll usually just record it and wait till I happen to be around having coffee at their house, and I'll watch it. When are we going to have Maggie on the show? Hey, you tell me. I have a lot of. I have some family we should have. We, I mean, so there's Maggie's kitchen, right? And we can have Lucila on the show. This oh is, man, this is Miami Cake Royalty here. Lucila, that's right. We can have Lucila on here. Can't tell you Lucila, story. who also has a connection to Dave Arvello, <laughs> because Dave Arvello's MMA client wears shorts that have her logo over his BB. 
Oh, amazing. Good yeah. for him. Apparently, Sweetheart by Lucila sponsors uh, Elvin Something's BB. Good for him. <laughs> and yeah. now has an OnlyFans. <laughs> right. You can check it out now. So, anyway, Superman and Lois. It's got a little bit of that, like, CW teen drama thing. But it's interesting enough to watch. I got a parting recommendation. Go for it. I just watched the last season of Bosch. Bosch. It's on... Uh, I haven't seen it, but it looks good. It was good. It was good. It was a good show. It's a good show. Good season. I think they nailed it. Um, I enjoy that one. Cool. Yeah. I got to say, go follow Chef Norman. He's, by the time this is out, I'm sure the, the sauce will be ready, but you got to try. And at that point, we can know the price of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And he's doing all those cooking classes that he's doing. He's doing the cooking classes. Chef yeah. is killing it, man. Yeah, he's he's absolutely doing, he's doing things. And now... For our shameless plugs, you already have a foot in the shameless plug door. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. Tell everybody where they can find all of your stuff and buy, give you all their money. <laughs> well, go. I mean, our website, our main site is createwithkira.com. Uh, Instagram right now, we're still Kira Market. Um, more and more, we're going just by Kira. But uh, yeah, that's uh, this. Is, those are the two main places you can find us. Those are the places. Mike, shameless plugs. All the things. All the things. All the things. I still gotta recommend all my shit. I mean, we've, we've done this 80 times already. All the things. All the things. All the things. Yeah, all the things. 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 And then finally, I will give us, uh, I'll give you our shameless plugs. You can find this podcast that you're listening to now, so why should you have to find it? But at dadmag.com slash podcast where pankong podcast oh, yeah go ahead i just want to i i want i want to point out that yeah. it's shocking to me uh-huh. that there was a congressional hearing yesterday and three That's former right. guests from pankong podcast were room. actually in that room i find that shocking and one of them on a microphone <laughs> one yeah and that one who was on the microphone today was at Versailles shooting some people won't like this person but was shooting uh hannity on fox news whatever man she was sitting next to marco rubio and sean hannity talking cuba i mean listen you take the cuba message where you gotta take it honestly i don't give a fuck who likes who or whatever this This issue is bigger than fucking parties it's bigger than what you like and what news station you fucking watch yeah like get your head straight the fuck up out of your ass so we're talking about here yes vicky vicky goyalo and vanessa garcia were backing her up they were her uh, i presume her bodyguards at the congressional hearing um bodyguards. I, I kid they were there i'm sure they were helping her with all kinds of stuff in dc accompanying her and doing all kinds of cuba stuff i know they were leading uh protests and things they were up to all kinds of goodness um so yeah man uh the and not only that also the pancom podcast network more broadly has really come through this brings me to my next shameless plug which I will also insert with an ad earlier in the podcast, so it doesn't have to wait until now. But uh, just in case you somehow skipped over ads, I'm going to bring it up again. Cubadecida.org. Uh, then go to the Donate tab and mention Pancom Podcast. Those funds will go directly to recharging cell phones for people in Cuba. Uh, in case you are finding us way into the future and Going through our archives, this is the July 21st, 2021 episode. And at the time we're recording this, all kinds of protests are going down in Cuba. Cubans need our help with the cell phones. And that's what we've put our our focus on in terms of, you know, our little side project here. 
cubadecide.org. Uh, Use the donate tab, or you can Venmo. Uh, you can find the Venmo information on Instagram. I don't want to say the Venmo here right now because I would hate for like five years from now Carmen to still be getting Venmo donations <laughs> for this thing. I mean, uh, it's you think people five years from now people will still be listening to this? Oh yeah, yeah. Petey's not going anywhere. Yeah, I'm more uh, worried about people listening to this and trying to like shut shit down. Shut shit down? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know. You Whatever. know what I'm talking about. I don't know what that even means. They're always uh, listening. But then, uh, <laughs> Those Patre- fucking losers. Patreon.com slash DadeMag. If you want to support what we're doing around here, you can sign up for the Abuela Mami tier, which gets you a bag of uh, whole bean Abuela Mami coffee every month. Mark your calendars. It's not final, 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 but it's pretty close to final. We will be doing a live podcast. We will be selling tickets to this podcast. Oh, man. The podcast will be at live, on location, at Maxwell Brothers Clothing Company in Palmetto Bay. The land, God's country over there, Palmetto Bay. (laughs) uh, With John Falco. And his puka shell necklace. his puka shell necklace. Uh, Please, potters. Potters get a discount if you're a potter. Uh... (laughs) You're in the special fraternity with Falco, and you get a, a special Potter discount on. I loved, tickets. I loved watching Falco go down at Pata Sucia Palooza. I loved watching oh, him I didn't go know down, he went down, and it was just like you know, as people were so mad, and they were just like they were very, they were very sure of themselves, and I, I'd like to give them a gut check. Oh, you know, man. I'd I'd like to uh, actually give a shout out to the team from Finca for winning that. Um, took that trophy back to Finca Town. They did. They took it back to West Kendall, and. Um, uh, I did color commentary next to the, the legend Lucy Lopez, another former Pancom podcast right. guest. We're everywhere. We've got quite the resume. You, I mean, you have, you're joining a historic group right now, I'm I think. Excited. I'm honored. Seriously. And I'm honored. Um, it was quite a time to witness, yeah. and uh, people were upset when they lost, and, you know, I had, to, I had to set things in order. Can I ask you, let's end on this question, uh, an important Chugs-related question. Since we're talking about trophies, will the pastelito eating contest be coming back? It will be. And where, because I saw a picture that Gio posted, and I don't know if it was loaned to him for the day or what, but where is the Kubayashi Cup? I'm not totally sure, to be honest. Caesar's supposed to have it. Okay. Maybe he loaned it to, to He may to have Gio. loaned it to him. Gio may keep it at his house. I don't fucking know. Right. Gio right now is a wild man. He's just yeah. a he's just a renegade with pastelitos just slinging them all over the city. I mean, yeah. it is absolutely incredible to to witness. Speaking we are, of the, the the vast reach of the podcast, Gio. The last time I saw Gio, we were engaged in a long conversation in Maggie's kitchen. Oh, that's right about Guava George. That's right. We were talking Guava George and guavas and things with Maggie in Maggie's kitchen. Uh, so if you order a mango pastelito at any point in the next several weeks, maybe, it, it may have come from my mom's backyard, that mango. Yep. That's amazing. So Yep. They're good mangoes, I'm told. It's, um, but your mom hates mangoes. She doesn't hate mangoes. It's just there's always so many that eventually she's tired of mangoes. Got hey, it. Well, we need but mangoes, She didn't man. want mango pastelitos because she has, like, four mango pies in her Got family. it. Got it. No, yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. I totally understand it. Yeah. Well, you know, this has been great. Has been great. Thank you, Jose, for everything. Thank you for having me, man. For bearing with us, yep. for bearing with Petey and all his delays. And that's I, it. That's I loved I every minute of it. 
<laughs> That's a lie. That's what we're going to put that Not the, the first time I heard that. Thank you.